0: everybody. Welcome to another episode of Stick a Fork in It. We are the official podcast of Feeding Tampa Bay. My name is Ev Malcolm. I'm the engineer for the show. And we are here with our hosts, Matt Spence and Shannon Hannon-Olivero. And we're here with Brian West, who is the Community Relations Manager for Publix in Central and Southwest Florida. How are you doing today, Brian?
1: I'm great. Thanks so much for having me with you
2: today.
3: Absolutely. Welcome, Brian.
2: Hey, Brian, we're really excited to have you on the show today because... Uh, it almost feels like a shame that it took us this many episodes in to get Publix on board because you guys are so central to everything we do at Feeding Bay. You're such a fantastic partner um, you know in in so many ways beyond your food contribution to us um, and that might be a great place to start the conversation is uh, if you could just share you know first a little bit about yourself and uh, and then a little bit about of your connection at Publix with, with our work at Feeding Tampa Bay.
1: So what do you want to know about myself?
2: <laughs> so,
3: so, so tell us, you know, a lot has changed. So tell us how you and yours, tell us a little bit about you and your family. First of all, how have you guys been mean, What are we 12 weeks in um, to the pandemic? How have you been doing? I know just like Feeding Tampa Bay, the pressure has been on for you personally, I'm sure with your job, but how have you been doing personally and with your family?
1: Sure. So uh, I'm, I'm thankful to be gainfully employed, thankful that we are in a position that we can work from home and still be productive. Uh, the kids are here as well. We have three. Um, it was uh, very, very, very stressful the first two or three weeks, and then it started to be okay. <laughs> I will say that at least where we are today, we can say that we have survived it, uh, but it was not easy. And uh, at least for me, I'm ready to be out of the house. So every time I get a chance to go do something, you know, Shannon says, hey, you want to come over and do an interview? I'm like, yes, I'll be there. So so that part's been nice. Aside from that, the workload, uh, interestingly enough, has slowed down quite a bit for us, but that's because on the community relations side, you know, we really spend our time uh, interacting with all of the nonprofits in our area, but because of the nature of the virus, nonprofits have had to cancel events. They're trying to take a step back and figure out other ways to raise funds. Um, it's created challenges for everyone, but I, aside from those in need that are um, have lost their job or uh, got furloughed, got laid off, whatever that is that, you know, they're just trying to put food on the family. Um, at least from my perspective, I think probably the next segment um, of folks that I deal with are the nonprofits. Those are hit next. I, I think we'll end up seeing uh, many nonprofits struggle quite a bit in 2020, if not beyond.
2: Yeah, there's a really insightful comment, Brian, because I think as the medical scare, the health scare side of the pandemic kind of subsides a little bit, we're going to have a hard time as a nation staying focused on the fact that one out of every four people being unemployed is a tsunami to the social services world that will last a year, you know, that, that will last at least a year. there's no way you can have 30 million unemployed folks Mm -hmm. and not see just incredible pressure on the safety net the social safety net the support system that that nonprofits play such a big part in
1: absolutely
3: so brian how long have you been with Publix? uh
1: i'm about to complete my 29th year about to start my 30th year so uh not long enough (laughs)
3: And what was your first job there?
1: Uh, My first job was working in the ham room at the deli plant, what we now call our deli kitchen in uh, Lakeland. Uh, It's where we manufacture basically all of the Publix branded deli items that you find in the deli at your local Publix. So everything from Publix ham to potato salad, uh, roast beef, you know, all of those items. They come from our deli kitchen in Lakeland
2: is that where the uh, buffalo chicken dip comes from because that's what it I
1: really sure is
3: <laughs> Woo! yes it sure is
1: <laughs> yes that's another fan favorite
3: yeah so I think here in Florida um, for instance I have three children of my own um, my boyfriend has four and I think five of them going through school worked at Publix and we have one who works at Publix right now very so good. She, she has been a first responder in her own way. I think it's almost a um, Tampa Bay area tradition. Uh, if you are 15 or older, that you start uh, your life at a Publix, <laughs> 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 whether that be stocking, bagging groceries, mm-hmm. or uh, getting carts out in the uh, the uh, parking lot. I mean, yeah, it's I tell people different. all the
1: time. My only regret was that I didn't start when I was 14. <laughs> I wish that but I had started can. when I was 14.
2: There you go. There you go. There's one do in the ham room.
1: Yeah. What's that?
2: You said you started in the ham room. I'm just curious what exactly you do in the ham room.
1: So I will tell you, and I will describe my first day, but um, (laughs) I didn't know myself until I got there. So if you ever go to the deli counter and you buy sliced meats, you're not buying um a chunk of meat that has been taken from an animal and they're just slicing it you're buying a chunk of meat that's been taken from an animal and it's been processed in a way so that it can be shaped so that that slice fits on a piece of bread okay mm-hmm. so the process that it goes through is there's nothing wrong with it i mean everything is edible all those kind of things but it's not the best thing it's not the thing you want to see. <laughs> it's not, you want to see the end product, not the process.
2: So then the big question um, is, do you eat ham? I'm sorry? <laughs> do you eat public ham?
1: Oh, absolutely. Okay. It's good. And I'll tell you, You know, interestingly enough, now this goes back to my my first day on the job. So the uh, the room that I worked in was probably, I don't know, 30 or 40 feet wide and maybe 20 feet another way, but the ceilings were about 30 feet high. Oh. And all of the equipment in the room is stainless steel. And then the only other thing you have coming through the room is the product. And so the product goes through all this stainless steel equipment, it goes into a package, uh, a plastic package that's put into a stainless steel mold and then it's shipped off to the smokehouse where it's cooked, right? So, but as you break the equipment down at the end of the day for the sanitation crew to come in, um, there would be pieces of the ham, uh, you know, sc- kind of scattered around the room and it's, it's messy. And there's a sanitation crew that comes in at night and they clean everything top to bottom, literally from the ceiling to the floor. I, I have literally described it as I would feel comfortable eating off the floor after they've cleaned the room. I mean, it's that clean. Wow. So one of the guys I was working with um, that first day I'm, I'm asking, we're, we're just going to leave everything like this? Really? And he says, Oh, yeah, there's a crew that comes in behind us and they clean everything. I'm like, really? Yeah, I'm, I'm learning. He says, Yeah, watch this. And he grabs a piece of ham off the floor and he throws it to the ceiling and it sticks. <laughs> sure enough, that I'm thinking immediately, We're going to get fired for what you did. But the next day we come in and it's gone. They have cleaned the entire room, ceiling to floor. It, then I was very impressed. <laughs> so.
0: I just have to imagine okay. the cleanup crew's confusion when they walked in the next day and found a piece of ham on the ceiling. And <laughs> they might have said, "Hey, Steve, you had another newbie come in today."
3: I was going
2: to say, "New guy." <laughs> well, Brian, I'm curious. Uh, you know, as as you and your team at Publix saw this pandemic spreading across our community. I'm curious what your first thoughts were. I'm sure there's a lot of, oh boy, we're about to get hit with a a whole bunch of people in retail, but knowing your organization, knowing how much you care about the people you serve, I'm sure there was a a big element of how are we going to approach the community beyond just a customer sales perspective?
1: Yeah, I'll tell you. So fortunately on my side of the fence, we're not focused on customer sales at all. We're really, the the arm of the company that gets to see all of the great things that Publix does on a daily basis, giving back to the communities that we serve. So honestly, the first realization that we had just a few days into this and realizing how long is, or not knowing how long is this going to go on. But the first realization that we had was seeing that people, our customers were buying so much of everything, um, that we knew there was going to be an immediate direct impact to our food bank partners because they were not going to be getting the level of product that they were accustomed to getting through our parish recovery program because customers were buying everything. So uh, it took us a couple of weeks of just really watching to see what was happening, um, hearing the struggles from the food banks because then the food banks are calling us saying, hey, is there anything that you can do So it took us a couple of weeks to kind of figure out how can we make this happen? How can we help our food bank partners? Um, You know, it's easy to say, yeah, we can throw money at something and we can give you money. But if we give you money when you need food, sure, you can use that money to buy food and you come buy food at Publix. But if we don't have it on the shelf because our customers have bought it, well, giving you money doesn't do you any good. And really everyone uh, in the industry was seeing the same thing. Uh, with some exceptions in the restaurant industry because the restaurant industries were experiencing the opposite. They weren't getting uh, business. So they had some supply in their supply chain. So we worked with our uh, produce uh, department and were able to, in their words, kind of smoke out some Floridas, uh, excuse me, some farmers in Florida that had product that they wanted to sell but had lost their supply stream, you know, that, that they were giving to. So we were able to purchase product from them just to donate to the likes of Feeding Tampa Bay. I actually just got off a conference call uh, a few moments ago, just before this one, and learned that we have, as of this week, we have donated uh, over 3.4 million pounds of produce uh, just in the last few weeks. So wow. that's big, cool stuff.
2: Wow. I want to go back and, and reiterate that point for a second, just because I think it bears a little extra time. Publix went out and purchased food specifically to give away. Yes. Not for your own business, no. or for your own customers, right. specifically to give to people who you knew could not come into a Publix and purchase it themselves. Yes. It's just an incredible response.
1: It's the right thing to do. Um, We are incredibly blessed that we work for the best company in the world and that we're in a position that we can do it. So when you're in a position where you can give, you should.
2: And, you know, in the same way, one of the best things about this whole challenge of the last two and a half months is we have seen that response from every angle and from every corner. In a, in a time that could be really scary, it has restored and strengthened my belief in the goodness of the people around us. You know, yeah. But no doubt, our donors, you know, we have so many people who have never given before who are seeking us out. We have people like restaurant partners, and, uh, you know, we even have car dealerships coming to us and saying, What can we do?
1: That's awesome.
2: And All. I, you know, I would have to say that, in my opinion, a big part of that is the corporate leadership shown by Publix. Because when when the big dog in the community is stepping up in the way you have, and the industry leader is doing as much as you're doing, puts a lot of really, really good ideas in people's heads of what they should be doing. Sure. So, you know, it's it's you guys lead the.
1: Well, like I say, we've we're exceptionally fortunate to be in the position that we are and uh, thankful that we can give and and happy that the giving that we're doing is making a difference.
0: So um, you know, you, you mentioned a little bit before the call, uh, we were talking a bit about um what things are looking like at this point with the source. You know, at first all the shells were really cleared out and um, you know, you said that that's starting to change a bit. You're starting to, be able to get a little bit more on the shelf. So can you kind of paint that picture for us? Like what it's starting to look like in stores now?
1: Sure. So I'll, I'll give you an analogy. I'll, I'll go back to Hurricane Irma. You know, when we had Irma here in Florida, well, so this coming September, we will celebrate our 90th anniversary. So we will have been in business for 90 years. Wow. Pretty cool stuff. Yep. So we've experienced a hurricane or two, but when, we experience hurricanes in Florida, generally speaking, it hits a piece of our operating area, not the entire operating area. So when Hurricane Irma came through and it literally went right through the backbone of the state, every area that we operate in was impacted. We have, and to give you perspective, we have just over 800 stores in the state of Florida, um, Almost all of those have a standby generator that can run the entire store. When Irma came through, over half of those were operating on their standby generator.
3: Wow. That was
1: unprecedented. But then, in addition to that, what, and, and I'm sharing this as an analogy to get, get us back to COVID 19, but what was happening is, you know, we, operate right up until it's no longer safe for our associates to get to or from the store. And then we open back up as soon as it's safe for our associates to get back to the store. We realize that we are uh, an essential business for the communities that we serve. But in the process of trying to keep the stores stocked, headed into the storm, there was plenty of product in the supply chain the challenge that we had is getting the truck from the warehouse to the store or getting the truck from the store back to the warehouse to get another load. Now imagine, you know, on a, any normal day, that's not a challenge. But now whenever you've got all of these people in Florida on the roads trying to evacuate, we had trucks literally just, they couldn't get back because they're stuck on the road. Well, same kind of thing is happening in the supply chain or was happening in the supply chain uh, As a result of COVID-19. So there's plenty of product in the supply stream. The challenge is getting it to the store. Only in this case, it's not that we can't get the product to the store. It's that our customers are buying at such an increased rate that although we can get it to the store, they're just buying it as soon as it lands there. Even though they may not need it, they're buying it because they see it. So what we're starting to see now, and this is where I say things are trending in the right direction. And I use toilet paper. That's the the mm-hmm. famous one. Uh, when this first hit, I think people thought they were going to be stuck at home for weeks or months on end and not be able to go anywhere, which is probably why they were buying toilet paper. And it it's hit or miss, you know, stores are getting toilet paper shipments, but unless you're at the store when they're putting it on the shelf, you're not seeing it because the customers that are in the store at the moment are the ones buying it as it's being put on the shelf. But now what we're seeing is customers are not buying it immediately because they've stocked up. (laughs) And so it's able to linger on the shelf a little longer. So I think if we can get a few more weeks under our belt, maybe a couple more months, you'll see everything replenished. What we don't want to happen is uh, there be a phase two of this COVID-19. We need it to be, be gone and stay gone. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I, I personally, I shop at Publix all the time and I, I was, uh, it was funny to hear you talking about the deli cause they pretty much know me at my local deli. Like really? I'm, I'm there so often that, you know, they, they pretty much know me now. Um, but one of the things that I saw that I thought was really cool was how you guys started to do the one way aisles. I'm not sure if that's at every store. Is that uh, something that? that is? is OK? Yeah. And, uh, you know, is that, you know, I imagine that's something you guys have never had to do before. So, you know, what was the process like for you guys trying to figure out how to make the shopping experience safer for people, you know, as they knew that they needed to come in?
1: Well, and I'll tell you, that honestly has been one of the biggest challenges for us. We're always trying to think of our customers first. What can we do to help our customers? How can we create this safe shopping experience for them? And really what we're looking for um, initially is what are the guidelines that we're getting from the CDC? And uh, those guidelines did change uh, as this progressed. So as things change, we would kind of step back and figure okay, then what can we do to meet this expectation? Um, Fortunately, I think everybody figured that out pretty quickly, Uh, at, at least what I can say I saw personally is there were several retailers that figured out, hey, let's put some wayfinding on the floor and create a flow within our retail space that may help some of this. If we can keep people moving the same direction, not having to cross paths, that makes it easier for social distancing um, and maybe make people feel a little more comfortable um, in the environment.
0: Yeah, I mean, it seemed pretty ingenious to me. The first time I did it, I I didn't realize I was going the wrong way until I saw it on the floor. But as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, that's that's really smart.
1: I I think everybody is experiencing it. I can tell you, I have stepped down the aisle the wrong way many times. And of course, I kind of kick myself as soon as I do it.
3: Or somebody reminds you.
1: Yes. Or someone, sometimes they gently remind you, sometimes Sometimes not so gently. (laughs)
3: Yeah, for sure. You know what? I I know something that was appreciated also within my family. We have um, uh, people who are healthcare, and you guys opened early hours for healthcare. You put, uh, hours in for seniors. Um, there was a lot of careful thought and consideration to your customers in many ways. Um, washing of carts. You guys uh, employed a lot of additional uh, people of all ages um, when a lot of people have been losing their jobs. So um, I just want to say thank you for that yes. uh, because that has touched, I think, uh, many, many families um, throughout the Tampa Bay area on many levels.
1: You're very welcome, I'll tell you, just to make a a neat point I'm I'm always proud of is, you know, here we're about to hit our 90th anniversary. And in 90 years, we've never had a layoff in the history of the company. All we've done is grow. So I tell people all the time, you know, as I sit here today, we've got 1,240, I think it's 1,241 stores across seven states, more than 207,000 associates. We're just always growing. So we're always looking for great help. So send them our way.
2: (laughs) You know, I I love this conversation about all that you're doing right now during, uh, COVID-19, but I want to take a minute and step back because I I want our listeners to realize all that you have done for us in normal times and what an integral part Publix is to feeding Tampa Bay. And so if you don't mind, I want to shift gears a little bit and step back and talk a little bit about that, um, I think the number last year was over eight million pounds of food donated to Feeding Tampa Bay. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how that uh, works for you guys on your side? What you know, what your team is thinking, how that gets integrated into your company culture? You know, just what is that like from the public's perspective? I know what it's like from the Feeding Tampa Bay perspective.
1: So, giving back is is pretty easy for us. Um, Our founder, George Jenkins, um, great, great, great guy. And he absolutely believed um, that if you had the ability, your responsibility was to give back, period. Um, So he did that personally, but he also did that as part of Publix. It is definitely a cornerstone of our culture. So in 2009, we developed a formal program with Feeding America across our footprint and uh, developed what we call internally our perishable Recovery Program. And the way that I describe it to people is um, it's it's all of those fresh items uh, in the store that are no longer meeting our quality standard, but they're still very much fit for human consumption. And the easiest example of that is think of an apple with a bruise in it no one wants to buy the apple with the bruise. There's nothing wrong with that apple. You can cut the bruise out, but no one wants to buy that one. So throughout the day, every day our associates are rummaging through that product, making sure that what we have on the shelf is hitting our quality standard that our customers are expecting. And if we see something that's not, it's pulled from the shelf and placed over for donation to, in this case, feeding Tampa Bay. Um, we're proud that we announced, uh, just a couple months ago, we, we realized that we had donated over $2 billion uh, worth of product since 2009 wow. last 10 years. And, uh, we've committed to donate at least another $2 billion over the next 10 years, uh, in parish recovery items. So yeah, it's, it's neat stuff, but you know, it's, it's, uh, the end result is always what what touches your heartstrings. And we're fortunate that our associates themselves like to give of their time and money as well. They like to show up to Feeding Tampa Bay and volunteer. They like to package groceries, they like to paint, they like to do whatever, that, whatever needs to be done. And that is throughout uh, our 207,000 plus associates. So we're, we're very, very, very blessed.
2: Yeah, this, it's so cool on our end because in fact, you guys are kind of built in to the standard tour that we give for people who were introducing to our world and our work. Uh, you know, One of the best ways for me as uh, as a new person coming on board to learn about our business was to follow Thomas around as he gave tours to people of our warehouse. Um, and now I'm giving those tours all the time. And and there's a line that he used that, that I liberally steal uh, <laughs> Without attribution, uh, and and we talk about you, you know the donation uh, of food, and we I was talking about our major donors, and then to to help people understand, we'll say something along the lines of, you know, when you go to Publix and buy your gallon of milk, do you grab the one right at the front of the shelf? And everybody says, no, of course not. I push those to the side, <laughs> all the way into the back. And I grabbed the one with the date that's the farthest away. Everybody does that. Please keep doing that.
3: (laughs) Okay, so we all use that.
2: (laughs) But we love that because that one up, Publix can't sell anymore, but it's still good milk. And so they give it to us. And so you are enshrined in our tour giving process.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Awesome.
3: So speaking of milk, milk made the news, Brian, and um, recently um, people were really upset about it. Um, can you kind of tell us or bring our listeners up to date on how Publix was involved with that um, and getting really, you've been at mega pantries with us quite a few times, a number of times in our counties, and uh, we share that story for our listeners.
1: Sure, so uh, much like the produce deliveries that I spoke about earlier, and I'm sorry that I left milk out, but we really did the same thing with dairy that we have with produce, realizing that there was this negative impact to our food bank partners as a result of what was happening with perishable items. So we were able to engage with uh, dairies throughout the state of Florida and uh, bottle more milk, just to be donated. So I believe as of this week, it's over, I want to say it's over 300,000 gallons that we've donated in the last few weeks. So uh, again, it's, we're fortunate to be in that position that we can.
3: Yeah. So if you visit one of our mega pantries in Hillsborough Pinellas Manatee, soon to be Pasco and Polk, there's fresh, a gallon of fresh uh, Publix milk, uh, that is put in, given to every adult with the groceries that they receive um, during that time. So, what is it now? 5,000 is our number per week that we're giving, and that number is going to grow.
1: Incredible.
2: Yeah. Somebody was asking me about that milk at, at one of the mega pantries. And, um, you know, I explained Publix's role in, in capturing that excess and to, to give them a picture of, of where that excess comes from. I just use the example of Hillsborough County Schools has about 200,000 students. Mm-hmm. So five days a week, they give out, sell, whatever, move, about 150,000 eight ounce cartons of milk. When school stopped, that supply chain end point came to a screeching halt. Yep. And so that all of that milk was not designed to go into the public's chain. It was not designed to go in all of these other places and outlets. And so those organizations that had these massive contracts and had thousands and thousands of cows producing milk were stuck and you can't not milk a cow. (laughs) Where you know, on the, one of those unintended consequences and again, public stepping in and creating an opportunity for the folks in our community Mm -hmm. out of a really unforeseeable challenge. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I I feel like I need to share this with you just because you brought up um, the expiration date on the milk. (laughs) (laughs) So just kind of a neat piece of trivia. So we opened our first, dairy facility in Lakeland in 1980 We realized in a very short period of time after we opened the doors that there was a direct correlation to the quality of the milk that we brought in to the shelf life as it left the facility well this the state requirement is that you can't have more than 300,000 parts per million of contaminants in the milk as it enters the facility so we increased that threshold and said, we're not going to allow milk to come in if it has more than 100,000 parts per million. Well, when we did that, we had to reject a lot of loads of milk. But now over time, over 40 years, we've literally, because of that threshold, we have changed the dairy industry in the state of Florida. They're all working to produce a better product but because of that requirement, our milk at Publix has anywhere from four to seven days more shelf life than any other milk that's produced in the country. Wow! There you go.
3: Thank you for sharing that. Because I buy Publix milk, and I swear it tastes different. <laughs> now I know why. <laughs>
2: there
3: there it go. is, right there.
2: there you so go. I'm in the door, and I'm gonna I'm gonna run right through it. Uh, I want everybody to share your two or three favorite public specific food items. You know, <laughs> There's so many. That's mm-hmm. the great thing about Publix, right? That's one of the many things that sets you apart is that Publix has all of these public specific things that are fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nice that you're in North Carolina now, mm-hmm. but in 2005 and six, when I lived there, you weren't there yet. <laughs> That was, you know, I won't say it's the number one factor why we moved back to Florida, but that certainly came up.
1: Yeah, I always, always love hearing from friends whenever they're relocating somewhere that they've told their realtor, "I don't want to be anywhere where I'm more than a mile from a Publix."
3: Well, I would say that. So, Brian, you start. What's your favorite three things on a Publix in a Publix supermarket?
1: Favorite three. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, favorite three would be. Um, and I'll go in order here. Our chocolate chip cookies from the bakery. Isaac. Mm. Okay. Nope. Um, the chicken tender sub from the deli. <sighs> my, but my number one item that has probably gotten the largest percentage of my payroll dollars is our dark chocolate covered almonds that we sell in the produce department, the clamshell. Um,
2: yeah.
1: I can't eat enough.
2: So. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, let's
0: so mine um i would have to say uh it's not it's not like one specific item but the um like the pre-prepped dinner meals that you guys put out like the, the you know everything awesome. yeah those mm-hmm. uh, for a guy like me as a as a bachelor living alone that's fantastic that's like so much flavor that i wouldn't know how to put together
1: <laughs> that's awesome
0: yeah and then uh i would say i also i really love the public's cheeses and um, the fruit salads are amazing.
1: Very good. Healthy eater over here. I, I listed all the, all the stuff that isn't so good for you.
0: Well, I mean, I'm eating the cheese by the slice. I'm not, you know, <laughs> <laughs> using it right
2: <laughs> now. I've got your back on the unhealthy food because my <laughs> three favorites, number one, without question, is sweet tea. Public sweet tea. It's <laughs> mine. And, uh, and, uh, I will fight anybody who disagrees. <laughs> um, and number two, I would say Publix Pure Premium Mint Chocolate Chip Ice Cream. Mm, you go. Um, and and then number three.
1: Yes, from the peanut gallery over here.
2: <laughs> number three, I mentioned it earlier, but I'll go back to it. Is that uh, buffalo chicken salad dip, whatever you want to call it. Yes. The-
3: oh, yeah.
1: Good stuff.
2: It is amazing. <laughs> and then okay. To throw one more in there, uh, to shout out for my wife, uh, the Publix Deli Salsa, the medium. Oh,
1: yeah, it's good. Ooh. It's good.
3: Okay, so it really blows going last because you guys put <laughs> <took> good ones. <laughs> Dang it! I okay, so Publix makes a, It's a Hawaiian chicken salad it's not easy to find. Brian, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, I don't know if it's mangoes or whatever. Oh, oh my gosh, it's all cut up in this chicken salad. <laughs> Woo, I Okay, so you took my sweet tea, but have you tried the lemonade? So anytime yes. I have one over, the gallons, when you guys do those two for ones, <laughs> that's like the best, okay? So the lemonade is a close second to the sweet tea. And so there's that. I have to go with the entire produce department. Oh, yeah. Can't go to any other location mm-hmm. for that aisle for that. And um, the chicken wings. Mm. Oh, no. I take that back. A Publix birthday cake. <laughs> 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 there yeah, is okay. nothing better. And you can buy that buttercream icing if you want to make your own cake and use their mm. icing. I had a little food coloring. Mm. There is nothing better than the Publix Bakery because at any Publix in my area, and of course we you always have your favorite one, mm-hmm. that I know them, um, they will create really anything for you. No need to use the book. Mm-hmm. Um, communicate with your baker and they'll do anything that you desire. So, yeah.
1: so I, uh, I, can, I can say on behalf of all 207,000 plus associates, music to our ears is when any customer says, at my Publix.
0: <laughs>
3: yes. Yeah. I know. You know what? If you go enough, you know that you know your manager because they greet you. Um, there is this amazing, I swear he must be 95 years old. He has an Italian accent. He knows the minute I walk through the door during toilet paper gate, he was like, Miss Shannon, there's on the back. Come on, I'll take it. So, I mean, You got your people when you walk in your Publix. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. And I know you guys agree. That's just the way that it is because it's how they're trained. Mm
2: -hmm. And uh,
3: that goes to great leadership Mm -hmm. and uh, a company that cares about their people and their community. And uh, I don't know, guys. Thank you, Brian.
2: You're welcome. You're welcome. You know, I want to take a moment and go back around to some of the ways that Publix participates in our work. Brian, you mentioned the donations, you mentioned your associates and your leadership coming and being a part of our work. We talked about the financial support a little bit that you give, but it's significant. Um, Not just to us, but the the whole Food Banking Network. Um, But we have something special here at at Feeding Tampa Bay that has the public's name and logo on it. And and I wanna tell a little bit about that story. I'd love to hear your side of it too. Um, We have a community market here in our warehouse that we open up to the community for free shopping. And you know, about a year ago, it was well-worn and well-loved and needed some TLC. Mm-hmm. And Publix came in and, they, and you guys were amazing. You said to us, we wanna clean it up. We wanna clean the floors. We wanna put in new coolers. We wanna put in new uh, display cases. We wanna bring in one of the aprons towers and do the whole display. And, and you guys took something that is in some ways the heart of our warehouse, because it's the place that folks who need us come in and personally shop, right? Mm-hmm. Our warehouse can feel a little impersonal sometimes with forklifts and pallets and 18 wheelers full of food. But the heart is when individuals step through our doors and go shopping in our public's community market and you guys know that about us and you took the care and the time and the investment to make that the best experience possible for people in our community who were falling on tough times, who wanted to feel the dignity and respect that their neighbors and that the, three, the four of us so obviously enjoy about shopping at Publix. And so I just wanted to say thank you for that. I wanna hear your side of, of how that kind of all came about.
1: Well, thank you. We certainly appreciate that. Um, it was fun um, when we realized we had an opportunity to have that. Um, yeah. You know, from my end, I, I can tell you, I was at a what we call family night, which is the night before we open a brand new store, and uh, I knew that that was a possibility in the back of my mind. It, we had just had conversation about it that week, and. Uh, my plan was to reach out to our facilities department and see if they would be willing to help. Our VP of facilities was there, Bob McGarrity. And uh, I walked over to Bob and said, hey, we've got an opportunity, here's the deal. Are you interested? He said, absolutely, we're in, just count us in. There there wasn't a question. He just said, yeah, we'll do that. Well, the, the cooler thing for me was when I was asking the question, I was really thinking about our facilities people. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that we do in-house, and there's a lot of stuff that we have to sub out. Well, some of the work that needed to be done, we had to sub out. Well, we reached to those suppliers, and they were very quick to say, we want to donate. <laughs> like, well, that's fantastic because we were ready to pay you. But they wanted to donate their time and effort as well, so that made it even more special. That's great.
2: That's
3: awesome. Yeah, we have our own mini publics. Yes. Down it- to the what is the, um, the location? We call it ours a nutrition kitchen. Yours is the, oh, the
1: aprons cooking kiosk.
3: The aprons cooking kiosk. We have our own apron station mm-hmm. inside of our community market. It's amazing. How <laughs> we get to
2: use that because we use it in a very similar way to how you use it in your stores. Mm-hmm. We have our nutritionists and our you know uh, our team come in. And whatever foods are available that day, often it's something that, you know, maybe folks don't know how to prepare or uh, aren't sure what exactly to do with a summer squash or an eggplant. And that Aprons Kitchen provides us the opportunity to prepare that food in a way that makes it attractive. And then when families come through, they get that free sample, then they take a look at it and they say, oh, I can do this. They go home with a recipe and they pick up some nutritious item that they otherwise would have left behind. And so it's a great opportunity to increase nutritious consumption of food and to open up a horizon to, to a new product to somebody who might not otherwise have ever sampled
1: it. You're absolutely right. Our, our produce department is probably better than any other department in the store about um, sampling and getting people to try new things. But that's really across the board. I think people tend to eat the things that they were accustomed to growing up, or that they were exposed to, you know, whatever that is. And it's it's hard to get people to venture out of their comfort zone sometimes. Um, and then typically, the older we get, the more comfortable we get. And we're a little more willing to try things than we are than when we're five <laughs> <laughs> or nine. And in, in my case, I was going to say that
0: sounds like a personal story there.
1: Eh? <laughs> <laughs> i got a nine-year-old that eats jelly and cheese sandwiches and (laughs) shake your head and go, really? Yeah. Uh, That's my Uh, McDonald's and that's about, that's about his limit, but he'll snack on anything that's in there.
3: (laughs) Jelly and cheese. I don't know. That's a new one.
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Ryan, we so appreciate, uh, you know, everything that Publix means to us as an organization for, we appreciate you personally because uh, as you mentioned earlier, you say yes. When, when we ask something, when we invite you somewhere, you say yes. And uh, it, it's just so heartwarming for us to know that we have such a great organization supporting us. Uh, well,
1: I'm fortunate. I tell everyone all the time, I've got the best job in the company, but I wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for our customers and our stores. So they get all the kudos
2: <laughs> my my last question to you uh we know publix is where shopping is a pleasure but uh there's something else in my household anyway that you're known for which is your commercials mm. uh they have an ability to make my wife cry <laughs> even 74th time she's seen the same publix commercial and uh you know, I, I don't even know if there's anything you need to say in response. I just, uh, I think that's a reflection of, one, the way you approach your business, and two, how meaningful it is to be able to provide food to folks, and how central that is to everybody's lived experience, you know, that, that food is the heart.
1: Well, I can say you're not alone. Uh, we have the same reaction to the commercials. In fact, uh, every year... When we roll out, we alternate whether we do a, it's a new Thanksgiving commercial or a new Christmas commercial. They're they're basically up for, what, two years. Um, But each year we are able to show the new commercial to our staff, uh, at least for the Lakeland division. And uh, when we show the commercial,
0: same thing, everybody (laughs) in the room, not a dry in the place. So (laughs) we react the same way. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us today, Brian, and for giving us some insight into your partnership and your company and, and your role personally as well.
1: You are very welcome. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me and uh, wish each and every one of you the best.
3: You got no it. I know, I know we'll see you soon.
1: Yes. All right. Well, y'all have a fantastic day and call if you need anything else. Will do. It. Thank you so much. Okay.
0: Have a good one. So that was an awesome interview with... Brian West, very insightful, and it's always uh, it's always nice to talk to him and you know, it's someone who loves their job and their company so much and a company that is so uh, integral to what we do. Um, and, you know, we talked a little bit about the public's community market that we have in the warehouse, um, which is um, just such a, a unique experience and a cool thing, I think, not only for our um, our shoppers and, and the clients that we serve, but for the volunteers and the staff to help them with that. Um, and... You know, um, it's obviously changed a little bit right now. Uh, Previously, we would have people come in and physically go through with a basket and shop, and we would help them with that. But that's changed a little bit now. So, Matt, can you kind of tell us what that transition has been like and what the community market looks like these days?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So this is, you know, like we said in in the conversation with Brian, the public's community market and the opportunity to offer a shopping experience to folks who need Uh, access to charitable food is critically important to us. It's, it is something that we value deeply, but in this time, what is even more important is protecting those we serve. And so that's why we've made the decision, just like with our mobile distributions, moving to uh, moving from that kind of client choice shopping experience out at a mobile pantry, we are doing something very similar here at the warehouse. Instead of folks coming in and going through the community market and shopping like they would have in January or February, now people are coming to the warehouse and we're making sure they have access to a prepared box of food. So, you know, the, the public's community market shopping experience is not what it was uh, before the pandemic really changed our world we hope as soon as we can, as soon as it's safe, as soon as we can really uh, have that kind of flow through our facility uh, to get back to that place where we create that pleasurable shopping experience. Um, and, And for right now, I think the most dignified thing to do in service to those who come to us with need is to have that food ready and at the dock. And so now people can just drive up um, you know, for, for what would normally be a shopping experience and then receive that prepack box.
0: And, you know, the same, same quality food, maybe in some cases, even better than ever with the purchases that Publix has made for us straight from the farmers. And, um, you know, and, and I, I'm happy to see that people are still able to get that. And, um, you know, Shannon, um, if you could tell us a little bit about, you know, what, uh, the, uh, opportunity for volunteers who want to help out with that. You know, we have people that can still come in and uh, and help out with distributing that food. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and also, um, you know, the process for people that want to come in and get some food?
3: So feedingtambabay.org, we're always telling people to go to that or you can call our main line. It's always manned and someone will get back to you um, on how you can access food or volunteer. So volunteering, it's an easy process. You can look on our website, choose a time, location, and opportunity that fits for you. You can help us sort food. We never want any food that you wouldn't love on your table or in your pantry um, to go to those in need. And then of course we have our mobile pantries and we spoke very briefly about our mega distributions which um, is where those gallons of milk and uh, where you might be able to meet Brian because Brian, I, I think I've been, to maybe three or four where Brian has actually been there and stood right with us, um, placing all of those wonderful items in the trunk of cars for the over 4,000 that we're serving right now. And uh, that's in Hillsborough, Pinellas, uh, Manatee County. Next week, we're going into Pasco and then towards well, more well into June, we'll be going in um, to Polk County. So um, there's many opportunities there. Please check because we want to be as organized and safety conscious as possible. We do ask that you don't just show up to an opportunity. We do need you to sign up because we do want to stay safe. So that's feedingtampabay.org. You can volunteer for us and you can find food. The tabs are right at the top of every single page that you travel across our website. So we hope to see you there. And if you need us, we're here for you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And Shannon, I I just want to add that we talked a little bit about Publix as a corporation and the way in which they include in service, the way in which they uh, really engage their team in volunteering with us. And as, you know, you give the perfect example of Brian being at all sorts of distributions. Um, but I, you know, I'd love to, to let folks know right now, we do take group signups from corporations. That's a huge part of our volunteer base. And again, Publix has led the way and set the example to say, come on out. It's, you know, the need is absolutely still there. We'll, we'll take a group, we'll, we'll take good care of you. We'll make sure you have all the protective equipment you need. We'll do our social distancing practices and, and you can still uh, have that opportunity to engage with the community and do uh, what it takes to, to get our work done.
0: Yeah, it's been really cool to see the enthusiasm of the of the volunteers that have been coming out and helping during this time. And, um, you know, and and you can learn so much about your community and yourself and and what services are available by doing so. So we hope to hear from you guys and we hope to see your smiling faces behind a mask, you know, in the field or at the warehouse. and, uh, and we will see you again next week with an exciting new guest on our, on our stick of fork it. So thank you guys both for, uh, being here and for giving your insights and we'll talk to you soon.
2: All right, Ab, take care. All right. You too. Bye-bye.
0: You can learn more about feeding Tampa Bay and how to join the movement at feedingtampabay.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube at feeding Tampa Bay.